Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for pastors and church leaders. This is Andrew Cook. I'm pleased to be in your company once more. In the Christian Basic series, more from John Hall on the work of the Holy Spirit. Here on Serving Today, we begin thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And to take us through some of the Bible passages that deal with that, here are Derek French and Dr John Hall. Let's turn to the place where Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit in John 14 and verse 16. Jesus has distressed his disciples by saying he was leaving them, but he said it was for their good that he was going away, and to encourage them he gave them a lovely promise. It says in verse 16, the Lord Jesus speaking, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. He's leaving, but he's sending another of the same kind, another loving person to be with them, who will never leave them. And he'll be with them with the Holy Spirit in a way which was closer and more permanent than if the Lord Jesus had remained on earth forever. You see, the Lord Jesus in his humanity was limited to one place. He slept. He was not always with them. You remember the story when they were on a stormy lake in Galilee and they were anxious and the Lord Jesus walked on the water to get to them and to help them. But the Spirit of Truth, you see, would come alongside them to help them, to counsel them, to comfort them, to strengthen them and to be with them forever. He goes on in John 14 to bring this out. He says, you know him for he lives within you and will be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You see, the Lord Jesus comes through the Holy Spirit to them. They're not orphans. They're not bereft. Through the Holy Spirit, they have the Father and Son with them. So it's a great joy to be a believer because Jesus is with us through his Spirit. Look how Jesus states this warm, indwelling fellowship of Father, Son and Spirit with us in verse 23 of John 14. Jesus replied to a question like this, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him, or abide with him. That we is lovely, isn't it? It is indeed. Father, Son and Spirit comes to us, the whole of the Godhead comes to the believer and lives and abides with us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Looking at another aspect in John's Gospel, The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Look at John 16 and verse 7 and 8 where he says, the Lord Jesus speaking, Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regarding to sin, righteousness and judgment. Now, we as believers need the Holy Spirit to work to convict us before we're saved, but also in our witness to convict those we speak to of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And he does this by showing Christ to be who he really is, God from heaven, the only saviour of sinners. 
This risen Lord Jesus Christ has been appointed as a judge. And so the Holy Spirit reveals these truths and convicts men of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. What the Holy Spirit does in our world, and especially for the believers, we've already seen, this is another point, is to reveal the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. We've looked at that several times before. But to dwell on that in these days is very important because the whole world needs to see the glory of Christ. But we believers too need to see it to be encouraged and strengthened so we can serve him. So the Holy Spirit was promised. And then as Jesus ascended, he was poured out on the waiting church. John, the Saviour gave this promise of the Spirit that he would come. When was that promise fulfilled? Well, it was fulfilled at Pentecost. And let's just go back a few days before, ten days or so before. Jesus, before he ascended, promised the disciples that they would be baptised with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 4 to 5. And Derek's going to read that to us now. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. There's the promise. In a few days, actually ten days, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Now turn with me, listener, to Acts chapter 2, because this records the fulfilment of the promise. It's a unique event, part of the whole process of God saving sinners. This event is as unique as the death of Christ, as the resurrection of Christ, as the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's read bits of Acts chapter 2 together. In verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, Pentecost means 50 days after the Passover. And the reading goes on. They, meaning the disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You see here, God sovereignly and graciously fulfilled his promise. He filled each one of them with the Holy Spirit. Filled and baptised is used interchangeably here. He fulfilled his promise to baptise them with the Holy Spirit. There were signs associated with this promise. The wind, the fire, the speaking in tongues or the speaking of other known languages. These were evidence of this event. Of the many different groups present at Pentecost, it was said in verse 6, each one heard them speaking in his own language. You see, they spoke specific known languages which they had not learnt. People were amazed and accused them of being drunk. But Peter stood up and said this was the fulfilment of a promise God made centuries before via the prophet Joel, where Joel said people would prophesy, speaking the word of God. And at that time, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, went on to point out that the Lord Jesus had died and risen and was exalted just as God had said, and that people cried out, what shall we do? And he told them 
to repent and be baptized, and about 3,000 were saved on that day. Now, I wonder, listener, have you called on the Lord's name and been saved? As each person calls on the name of the Lord, they are baptized with the Holy Spirit and united to Christ. Each true Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them. Yes, I think it's a very wonderful passage, isn't it, Acts 2? And mm. you drew out this, something I think which is quite important, that when they uh, spoke with tongues, it actually was languages that the people could, could hear. It wasn't an unintelligible babble, was it? It was, it was no, very clearly, and that's what it amazed was, them, wasn't it? It was indeed. Yeah. And also, the word itself means other languages. Mm, mm. And they obviously heard something which arrested them. Mm. Just babbling in something that you couldn't understand wouldn't have arrested attention at all. You may have just laughed and moved on, mm. thinking indeed they were drunk. Yes, yeah. God isn't the author of confusion, is he? No. no. John, there are one or two matters to do with this coming of the Spirit of Pentecost that, well, some do find difficulty with, and I wonder if you could help us uh, a bit further. For example, what about believers during the Old Testament days? Did they have the Spirit or not? The reason why I say that, there's an example, a a plea from David in Psalm 51 verse 11, where he he prays to God, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Well, how do we answer that? What was the difference? Yes, the Holy Spirit is at work, Derek, in the Old Testament, but his work is more hidden than in the New What we need to remember is that God progressively unveils his great plan of salvation throughout the scriptures. He points to Christ. He points to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And then Christ comes. And associated with that event is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as the grand climax of the plan. But in the Old Testament, God the Holy Spirit was active, as we've already seen, in creation. But he was also active in equipping God's people to serve God. For instance, when the tabernacle was to be built, you can read in Exodus 31 verses 1 and 2 that the Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God with skill, ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. You see, that man had been filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that equipped him to be able to serve God. Also, when you think of the general teaching of the Bible, for any person to be a true believer, as we shall see, they need a new heart. And this is the work of the Spirit of God. So all true believers in the Old Testament, just as in the New Testament, would have had to have that work in them in order to believe God's truth and to live for God and to be conscious of the work of the Spirit in them, just as King David was in the psalm you quoted, Derek. Yet, the work of the Holy Spirit is more hidden in the Old Testament, and also in the New Testament there's a fullness and an extensiveness to the work of the Holy Spirit that we don't find in the Old Testament. The fullness of the work had to wait until the Lord Jesus came and poured him out. And in this fullness, both the extent of his work, which is now international, and the power of his work in the believer's life, and their understanding of it, is vastly greater than in the Old Testament. You remember, for instance, that after a long list of Old Testament heroes of the faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer says this, 
These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. One theologian, Kuiper, gave this illustration. The Old Testament was a time when each individual drew water from his own well. But at Pentecost, God opened up the vast reservoir of heaven, connecting all his people to the mains water supply. And that supply was abundant, freely available to all believers worldwide. It's a very graphic illustration, isn't it? It is indeed, and was more graphic in Kuiper's time because it was a time when cities were, for the first time, getting their own mains water supply. Mm. So really it's a difference of, of degree, in a sense, yes. between the Old Testament believers yes. and the New. There's a fullness and a, a fulfilment that wasn't there in the Old Testament because it all pointed to Christ and mm. the outpouring. And mm. now it's come, we should be really glad as believers, that we live in these last times, the best of times, when the Holy Spirit, in all his fullness, has come to us and fills us and reveals Christ to us. We should praise God for that. And on that lovely note, we end our time here on Serving Today. This is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. Or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.